Hey everybody, hope you're doing well. Just dropping by to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Shamrock Sun, your new big ass bottle of sunscreen, and it's now available on Amazon. So check them out at shamrocksun.com, on Instagram, and also on the Bezos Machine Amazon. Get yours today with the spring and summer rapidly approaching also quickly a reminder to leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening and if you're on apple send us a question or a topic that you'd like to hear us address on the next episode along with your review thank you everybody as always we appreciate the support now enjoy episode 36 of thoughts from the shade Welcome back, everybody, to episode 36 of Thoughts from the Shade. Um, it is 2-22-2022. It is Tuesday. It is Deuce Day. One of Bomb's favorite people, Deuce. Um, but first, let's let's check in with Bomb. Uh, before we were recording, we were yucking it up about a trip that was had over the weekend. I mean, this guy... He's like the most interesting man in the world these days. He's in West Palm Beach. He's in OBX. He's on his way to Pinehurst. I mean, what's going on, Bob? What's happening, G? You know, you got to, after the, after the uh, you know, Super Bowl and everything going on, you know, you go through the, the, the blues a bit, right? So, uh, you know, the way I cure that is get out on the road, see some new things, you know, see some new places. So took took the... Uh, Opportunity to take the long President's Day weekend and jet down to Outer Banks with the old lady. First time ever down there for myself. And uh, yeah, good time. Good time had by all. Yeah, happy belated uh, President's Day to everybody out there. If you had the holiday off or were observing um, like we were, then I uh, hope you enjoyed it. But yeah, man, it's it's that time of year. It was a, uh, it was a tough week. It was a, a tough weekend. It was a much slower weekend. Uh, for myself, no, no travels, no football, just, uh, you know, kind of getting a little stir crazy and wondering what to do with myself now that now that football's over and we don't have March Madness yet. We don't have a good hockey team and we had NBA All-Star Weekend, like nothing really to get riled up about. Uh, it's kind of that lull before March Madness. So what was going uh, what was going on down in, in, in OBX? I mean, I saw a video that surfaced over the weekend. You were on the beach. Uh, you know, you were evaluating the Carolina sand in preparation for, for another trip you got coming up. I mean, what, what's going on, man? Did a little bit of everything. Obviously, I uh, went down on the beach. They have uh, all these huge piers out in North Carolina. Went and, you know, looked at looked down at the water from the pier, looked at the surfers, did a little bit of everything. Obviously, ate... Uh, Eat well, drank, uh, drank quite a bit, and now have to hit the gym. You know, after coming back from these trips, right? You're getting popped for three meals a day, and you know you're not, uh, you're not exactly uh, exercising too much. So, uh, no, but we we did a couple different things. Let's say, you know, the first thing we did that was that was really cool was uh, checked out the the Wright Brothers National Museum slash monument, and it's run by like the National Park Service, and I got to tell you. And, you know, 
can can attest to this. I drive in, they pop you for ten, okay, and I said, really, do we want to do this? I mean, what just to get in? Yeah, it's like a park. They got a big museum and everything. It's like exhibits and the whole the whole the whole nine yards, right? So I go through the gates and there's this huge hill and I, and this this place exists in Kill Devil Hills, right? A huge hill with a big monument at the top. And as we're driving in, I turned to her and I said, look, I said, I'm looking at this hill. I'm looking at like where it is in relation to the rest of the of the the ground and the area. I mean, these guys were glorified gliders. That's what I said on the way in. And I just said, you know, what did these guys really do? So they caught a little bit of wind and they stayed in the air. And now all of a sudden we caught flying. Well, boy, was I wrong. I mean. Just dead wrong. I just thought these guys were doing some hang gliding, you know what I mean, for a few hundred. Unbelievable. I go into this museum, unbelievable story. I mean, uh, two, you know, they ran a little bicycle shop up in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, I learned about, you know, the University of Dayton. They're the Dayton Flyers named after these guys. They had a younger, they had a family of like seven or eight kids. They were close with one of their sisters, and in 1900, about three years before these guys, uh, you know, actually took flight, their their sister, who they were closest with, Catherine, was telling everybody, these guys are going to solve it. These guys are going to solve it. So talk about just like, uh, you know, a sibling with some belief. I wish I had something like that, right? I mean, what the hell? But uh, long story short, they were about to give up. They saw a bunch of their experiments as a failure, and... Uh, they decided to just totally come up with their own theories and do their own math. And they realized that the assumptions of the day held by all the top scientists were wrong. So they went and like, you know, calculated their own coefficients for friction and lift and all that. And uh, were able to, uh, you know, take flight in 1903. So pretty, pretty interesting. I mean, it took them longer. I think it was within two years. He went from a, they went from a 12 second flight in 1903 to 1905 doing a 35 minute flight and it's just like super interesting when you think about humanity and just kind of the implications for going to mars and some of the stuff that people think is impossible today it's almost more difficult to go from no flight to a 12 second flight than it is to go from a 12 second flight to a 35 minute flight and there was a video of one of the wright brothers flying around the Statue of Liberty. And he, they affixed a canoe to the bottom of the, of the flyer in case they had engine problems. They were going to jump in the canoe and hope that, you know, they land right side up in the water. So, I mean, you know, not a lot of thought given to safety. You know, these are just guys at the forefront, living the dream, doing what they want, you know, testing the boundaries. But, man, what, a, what an inspirational. I walked in there thinking these guys were – glorified parasailers, hang gliders, and just totally walked out of there unbelievably inspired for the amount of dedication, the amount of, you know, challenging the, 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 the lead thinkers of the day, um, and, and really thought it was well worth the time and money to go check out. That sounds awesome, man. That's like, uh, that sounds like some inspiration we could use here for the pod and uh you know you said they weren't concerned with safety well you know i spent my weekend kind of laying low catching up on shows seeing what's hot on netflix and i stumbled across the old uh this old boeing documentary on netflix about you know the debacle that was the 737 max and and those tragedies um so 
pretty crazy. Uh, you know, you talk about going from from no flight to 12 seconds to to 35 minutes, and then you got Boeing just jamming these planes into the sky for uh, for a buck, and uh, you know, costing the lives of, of hundreds of people. Terrible tragedy. Um, some pretty sick shit. But yeah, I spent some of my weekend watching that. Uh, enjoyable view, but like I said, pretty sad. But um, I mean, anything else from the OBX trip? Uh, that was worth noting. I mean, yeah, wasn't so uh, t- took a, took a run, a little road trip down to uh, Cape Hatteras, right? You know, I didn't know too much about Cape Hatteras, but uh, you know, you always hear about it come hurricane time. Oh, hey, Cape Hatteras, the hurricane's approaching Cape Hatteras. You know, I don't know too much about Cape Hatteras, but decided to take the drive down. Let me tell you something. You get down this little Outer Banks freeway, this little two lane, you know, highway down the coast. Looks a lot different than Landis Avenue, my friends. Let me just say that. Big sweeping dunes right on the – you're driving through sand. People pumping brakes because they got to hit a sand patch. I mean, talk about just unbelievably scenic. Would not want to be down there during a hurricane, but unbelievably scenic. There's like mountains of sand you're driving past. So we get down to Cape Hatteras. Interesting. You know, some more history, right? You get down. I got a big lighthouse. It's the tallest, uh, I guess – Brick Lighthouse in all of North America. And uh, funny enough, the day we went on the 20th, it was like the 228th anniversary of the day it was commissioned by Alexander Hamilton, you know, the one of the old founding fathers, uh, central bank guy, money man. And uh, he actually recognized that there was there was so much, uh, uh, so many merchant ships that ended up shipwrecked that they had to erect this uh this, uh, you know, lighthouse down there to give people a little bit of, uh, you know, navigational certainty, I, I assume. So um, so we go to the lighthouse to check out the lighthouse. It was closed. They're doing some renovations, but normally you can climb up the lighthouse. But re- really interesting. And then you go to the lighthouse keeper's house. It sounds like a pretty lonely job. These guys, they literally lived basically at the lighthouse in like a separate quarters but their job is to make sure everything's operating and the lights are on at the right hour and the thing's tilting and i had no clue i mean i fashioned myself as like a history guy but like were you aware that there were german u-boats just taking out american vessels right off the coast of north carolina in world war one and world war two i didn't learn that in school not me either I mean, they had like Nazi paraphernalia there. There were like coffee mugs or coffee cups that were in their little World War II exhibit. And at the bottom, you know how normally you see the little logo of like made in China uh, or, you know, made wherever. And they got the little, you know, logo from, uh, you know, Nazi Germany. I mean, just totally fascinating. I love the World War II stuff, but I had no clue. And uh, I guess they called it like American, American turkey hunting. That's what the Germans called it. Because those U-boats were so stealthy, at least at that time, that uh, they were just taking out all these ships, tons of ships. So, yeah, I mean, just, uh, you know, a lot of history. I didn't I didn't know anything about that. I just assumed we fought, you know, I knew about, obviously, Pearl Harbor. We fought over in Europe. We fought in the Pacific. But I had no clue that there was, you know, activity taking place, you know, right off the coast of, uh, of North Carolina at the Outer Banks. No, not me either. I mean, my only... Uh knowledge of of you know mysteries down in the outer banks uh pertains to you know john b's father and and, and the hidden treasure uh that the pogues are chasing in, in outer banks on netflix i don't know if you're 
a viewer of that show. But uh, I guess last thing on, on the trip, I think you texted me uh, and another member of the group chat that something down there with the flying and the Wright brothers uh, and the state of Ohio versus the state of North Carolina, it spawned a, a bomb's bone to pick of the week. So is that is that loaded in the cannon here? Yeah, the yeah, I got a I got a real bone to pick here. So and I don't know who I'm gonna pick it with. All right. Originally when I texted you, I was prepared to pick it with one state. I think I'm just gonna send out a general bone to pick of the week. Presented by Shamrock Sun. So obviously I mentioned the the Wright Brothers exhibit. And what you do, you drive down to North Carolina and everybody's got the license plate, right? With the little, you know, silhouette of the the plane or the flyer that they used. And, uh, you know, it's his first in flight, right, on the North Carolina plate. And then you look at the Ohio plate. And I mentioned, the you know, Dayton University. Uh, but these guys were from Ohio. The Wright brothers were from Ohio. Their family was from Ohio. They went to high school in Ohio. They ran a bicycle store in Ohio. They built the damn flyer in Ohio. They shipped it down in pieces. And they selected North Carolina, particularly that area, Kill Devil Hills, because of the winds, of the, I guess, you know, all the types of things you would need in order to take flight. Flat, sandy ground and, you know, a hospitable people that are willing to help you, help you out with certain things. And they found all that in North Carolina. But here we are in 2022. And you got North Carolina with the first in flight on the license plate. You got Dayton, Ohio is where they're from. So now Ohio's got their license plate. And they and you got, got the, the you got the Dayton Flyers as well. You got the Dayton Flyers. And on and on, on Ohio's license plate, they have the flyer, the 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 plane that they used, right? The silhouette of that on their license plate, and there says the birthplace of aviation. Okay. So you know, I, I don't I don't know who I'm directing this bone to pick of the week at, whether it's Ohio, whether it's North Carolina. But it seems to me, as a guy who knew nothing about it, all I knew was Wright Brothers invented airplanes and flying. That was it. And then you got the North Carolina license plate. Now you got the Ohio license plate. Like, can we all agree on who needs to own this? Like, I don't know why we need two different states. Like, that's all you're known for? Just two guys who decided to strap an engine on a hang glider. And, and throw it up in the air and hope they didn't kill themselves. We got two states that are claiming that. I mean, is there anything else you're known for? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm off base here. But it seems awfully confusing when you're driving around. No, you, you, there can only be one owner of, of something like that. And, I mean, it's understandable for Ohio to, to try to claim it, um, I think. And, and there's not much notable about that state. I mean, a good friend of ours, good friend of the pod, uh, has, has made it known and made it a point that he will never step foot or, you know, drive through the state of Ohio again in his life. So got to give them something. I don't know about North Carolina, um, you know, a little bit more scenic down there. You got Michael Jordan, all this good stuff. I don't know. So, but I, I hear you, man. But um, now, nah, I mean, it's uh, just back, back to the, to the top. It's, it was a weird weekend. It was it was too quiet. Sunday rolls around and and Joaquin Neiman is above and away uh, from the rest of the field at the Genesis and trots to an easy win there. You got you got no football on. So, I mean, I feel like in terms of of dealing with the off season blues, 
We've got a couple weeks here until March Madness. Um, I think if you're in a relationship, uh, now is the time to really put on the full court press uh, with your significant other. Road you know, trip. Yep. yep. Really, uh, really show that dedication. Uh, take that extra step, uh, extra date night, or you know, cook or an extra gift or something because you you got to pay your dues. Um, you know, and I think Bomb, you you could agree with this uh, as, as a sports lunatic. Um, you know, we're with, uh, with people that, that understand the grind and understand the obsession and the lunacy. Uh, so you got to make them feel appreciated, but you know, not everybody's in a relationship and that's okay too. And if you're not, I think it's a good time of year to get back on track, uh, on yourself in the gym. Uh, you could be like bomb, do a little traveling, learn a little bit more about history, uh, like I said, catch up on on shows. I'm watching Euphoria right now. That show's absolutely insane. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of it. And and we'll make it through. March Madness is coming. Uh, we don't know when baseball is coming. James Harden is is playing Friday night for the Sixers, which is exciting. Um, but like I said, just a good time to take care of of the loved ones. Show them that little extra bit. And, and if if you're if you're riding solo, take care of the mental. Um, because you don't want to end up like Ben Simmons, uh, whose mental was really shattered in Philadelphia. And we watched his introductory press conference with the Brooklyn Nets late last week. Uh, and he's still not in a place just yet where he's ready to step back on the court. So I'll just throw it over to you, Bob. I mean, I think you watched the presser, uh, you know, it's been some time since the deal has transpired. Harden's playing Friday, like I said. What were your thoughts on, on Ben Simmons' introduction to Brooklyn? I mean, it was a head-turning press conference. He talked in circles. He didn't make any sense. He said it wasn't the team, it wasn't the fans, but this is something that he's been dealing with. And then he put the trade, you know, the trade demands out there. The guy, you know, Stephen A. said it. The guy wasn't prepared for the press conference. He wasn't prepared for the questions. He says hopefully he can be ready for that game in Philly in uh, in March. I I frankly just believe the guy uh, is going to play this out as long as possible in the mid-March because he does not want to uh, come back too early and have to wipe the egg off his face. And basically everyone will say it was a farce and it was BS, the mental health thing. But he also wants to avoid playing in Philadelphia. So I think he's going to push this probably until I would say if you had to if you had to ask me, G, like, you know, March 15th being like the, the you know, the, the, you know, over under, I'd say over. I'd say, you know, uh, Ben Simmons will be, uh, you know, sucking down a shamrock shamrock shake in a Guinness before he takes the floor at Brooklyn. Wow. Now, now, given that it's 2-22-2022, do you think Ben Simmons will, will play in another NBA game before 3-3-30-33? No. <laughs> yeah. um, it was just like a weird presser. I mean, I, I don't know anything about the, the Brooklyn media or anything like that. Um, they kind of hammered him on, you know, were you not going to play again for Philly and – was there rifts with the team and the coaches and the front office and all this stuff. And he really just continued to harp on the mental health piece of it. Um, 
But like, I'm not sure. I mean, it's not something to make light of, right? And it's also not something to like use as an excuse or an alibi for, you know, the shit that he pulled on us. He skipped out on the dunk in game seven against the Hawks. And, you know, he took his presser after that game and, and the public really never heard from it, heard from him again. And I'm just not sure, like, if I did a bad job at my work and then just kind of disappeared and, and refused to work. And sure, I guess, I guess he, t- he refused pay at the time, but like you did a bad job, you got bad feedback and you quit and you requested to get out. Like that's not what mental health is. That's, you don't want to be there anymore and, and you want to go somewhere else. Like this is, it's it's really an all an act and it's a pretty terrible act, especially at that presser. Like you said, he really sounded like he made no sense. He wasn't coached up. He wasn't prepared. Um, but Maury said it in, in the presser for James Harden. You know, Rich Paul came to to Maury and the Sixers, I think at some point over the summer, asking to, for Ben to be traded because he wouldn't play again for the Sixers. So I just don't I just don't think this guy understands what like real mental health issues are and it's it's shocking and sad for him to just be using that as a front for everything that's transpired in the last what six or eight months yeah and this is where you have to kind of ask yourself the question and i think philadelphia fans rightfully so they'll they'll direct their ire at ben simmons but it's it's much bigger than that um how much of this orchestration was was done at the behest of Rich Paul, right? Like, could you know Simmons? Simmons may very well have had some some issues after that Atlanta series, right? Mentally, I think most of us would. If I passed up a dunk and I'm getting crushed on TV, um, I think like you know any human would feel slighted or you know. Uh, butthurt maybe is another word you could use about like how you're being dragged on national TV. But then who initiated the conversations around, well, we got to get you out of here. Was it Ben to his agent or was it the agent to Ben saying they don't appreciate you? They don't love you. We got to get you into a bigger market. You're Ben Simmons. You're the heir to the king, heir to the throne. You're with Clutch Sports, man. We're going to get you to New York. We're going to get you to this, you know, L.A. We're going to get you somewhere big. And Simmons is like a very impressionable guy. He strikes me as a guy who doesn't think a lot for himself. We know he surrounds himself with his family members, his friends. There's not a lot of professionals that give him professional advice and feedback. And I can't help but wonder, is a guy like Simmons, who's pretty young, you know, was his destiny almost decided by LeBron James, Rich Paul and Clutch Sports? That's an interesting point too, but yeah, I just, I just can't fathom that like fail failure and and failing and and the whole debacle that was game seven and and that playoffs and and the series against the Hawks, like the great, the great ones get better from, from moments like that. Right. And he just kind of tucked his tail and went away and sure, like he could be butthurt. He could be embarrassed. Um, and, and yes, his, his mental was probably thrown off for a time after all that happened, but like, 
that's that's why you're getting paid the big bucks. Like you're he's a max contract player. I don't know if he's making 40, 50 mil a year, whatever it is, but like you got to pony up and, and get back to work and, and show that you want to be there. But, and I feel like that's what you see out of, out of most of these great athletes. And this is a really bizarre scenario. So it would make sense if his agent and clutch sports and all those buffoons were kind of in his ears, just trying to get him out because it, it was a tough look for him. Uh, at that point last summer. Yeah, and we saw it with we saw it with Wentz too, right? Remember when he when he got s- sat down by the Eagles, we started hearing reports about the Wentz camp, right? Like, who are these guys surrounding themselves with? It seems to me that when things when the shit hits the fan, rather than the player taking accountability, there's probably a bunch of enablers that call these guys and say, "Well, hang on a second here, Carson." You, they just committed to you, and then they drafted this quarterback, and now they're playing this guy next week. That's BS. Hey Ben, you know your teammate and your head coach threw you under the bus at the press conference after giving you a mega max deal. Are those the type of people you want to continue to work with? Well, you phrase it like that, probably not, right? Uh, so I think these guys—they're such mental midgets. We draft at the top of the top of the draft, and they're such mental midgets that they can be manipulated into doing anything. I mean. I think like Ben Simmons or Carson Wentz would go play on like the Chinese national team if they wanted to. You know what I mean? Like these guys are mental. They have no clue about what's going on around them. They just think about themselves and their people think about about themselves as well. It's interesting because they're both kind of from like different areas, I guess you could say. Like obviously Ben is from Australia. Wentz is from North Dakota. And I mean, I think we've mentioned it before, but they were probably the best at at their sport and their position their entire life growing up and never really faced any of that adversity, never had to to make a challenging decision or worry about who they're working with. They just went out there and because they're 6'10 or they're 6'5 with a cannon of an arm, you know, they just perform their way through all the BS. And then once you get into the real world, I mean, it's just like anybody else's job. You got to navigate like who's feeding you information, how to make crucial decisions, how to work with others. And somehow we draft all these guys that, that don't have that experience and that knowledge um, and the poise to, you know, process what the hell's going around, going on around them in their working environment. So, um, I mean, it's good written still, um, but just, I mean, we get these fucking bizarre ass guys, man. Yeah, it's definitely good riddance and, and totally agree with you. I mean, think about your job. Think about think about anyone's job, right? You you said it. It's your job to navigate the information you're hearing. And there's a lot of politics in the in the business world. I'm sure there's a lot of politics in the sports world. You cannot believe everything you hear. How do you look at things through a fresh set of eyes with an objective viewpoint on things that have gone well, on things that have gone mediocre, and on, on things that have gone bad? And I don't think these guys have that skill. No. Um, I don't know if, if you wanted to touch on the Harden introductory press conference at all. Uh, I I mean, I saw the snippets. I listened to it. Um, a lot of the typical stuff from Maury Rivers, blah, blah, blah. It's it's our window. We need to win. But it was it was encouraging to hear that Harden, you know, originally wanted to come to Philadelphia first. Uh, when he was leaving Houston 
and he's he's here to win a championship. He gave the Jason Kelsey hell yeah at the podium. So, um, I mean, looking forward to Friday night, obviously. Yeah, I have a little bit of a different take. I mean, he said the right things. But the reaction to this this fraudulent fan base is just sickening. Like they they this fan base they're they they prefer to hear like clips and snippets. You know they like Joel posting on Twitter the 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 meme of the guy at the funeral. They love James Harden. Ta- you know basically you know uh, talking about how great the fan base is. It's like can we win something? How about how about that? No that. People love to have the Philadelphia fan, particularly this like Sixers variant of fan. And it is a variant because it's a fucking virus. These Sixers fans, they they love to have the ego stroked. They want to clap their hands and stomp their feet and count down from 10. They love the process. They love Joel, Jojo. It's his window. Best big man in the sport. And then James Harden. Uh, steps in front of a, a of a microphone about one Big Mac short of 250 and says a couple words and we're ready to run through a fucking wall. Come on, man. Let's see the guy play at least for a week. Yeah, I'm not sure what we're going to get. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who's who's a Brooklyn fan. He was happy with the Nets, uh, you know, getting Curry and Drummond and, and I guess Ben. I mean, I, I, I told him you'll, you'll be sick of his shenanigans real fast, but no, I hear what you're saying. Like Harden is a superstar, but isn't he like 32 or 33? And he's gone through these times where he's out of shape and he's unhappy. Um, and that's kind of what my buddy was saying. Like, you know, obviously Ben ha- has his things, but Harden also does too. And as soon as we acquire the guy, like we're instantly just like fully blinded. Like we just got another superstar, former MVP, like, we're all in. Here we go. Like, it's just kind of, I mean, isn't this kind of like what happened when we got Jimmy Butler and Toby a few years back? And we know how that ended. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I'm i not going to be surprised if, if it falls flat and they're out in the second round again. But I don't know. I mean, my view on, on the trade, Ben Simmons was a throw-in. I mean, that guy made, made, made the financials work, right? Like he was, he wasn't playing for us. He wasn't really, um, I, I mean, I guess he was an asset, but he wasn't a player for us. He was never going to suit up for us again. The guy was a throw in to make the financials work. So, I mean, I, I view that as a win and it hurts to lose Curry and Drummond. Uh, they're nice depth pieces that they could probably use in the playoffs and they're going to have to make up for, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's what we do in this town, man. As as soon as a big name, a new big name comes in, the hype train is is full go. Well, let me let me give you one. Let me give you let me give you another big name that was full go. Uh, that was just a couple years removed from getting paired with a superstar. We remember the run to the finals that the Sixers had with AI, and they got Matumbo and this and that. But what people forget is what happened just a few short years later. They acquired 31-year-old Chris Webber, just one season removed from a 21-10 and 10 stat line. And he comes to Philadelphia, gives you two years, and he's washed. And I'm not saying that, 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 that Harden is that guy, but around the same age. And I get they play different, different uh, um, 
positions. But like, can we just can we just watch the guy play for a week before we start up with the whole fear of the beard? Before we're buying fucking uh, uh, billboards on I ninety five? Before we're pumping shit? I mean, it's just so sickening. This fan base is disgusting. They had Jimmy Butler. They had him, and they let him go. Yeah, and the other thing about Harden, too, is, yes, he's won MVP. Yes, he's had, like, amazing years and, and stuff. But, I mean, they had the big three in OKC, which is, I mean, you think about it at that time, those guys were all young and in their prime with Westbrook and Durant, and they couldn't get it done. He, I mean, he's he's never won, and the Sixers haven't won since 80. And, you know, we're the city of losers. It, it is what it is. I mean, I hate to say it. But it's the truth. And every time we make a big splash in a trade and a signing uh, or we go on some sort of like little regular season run, like it's it's championship or bust. And then we're like shocked when we don't get out of the second round. Yeah, I mean, they'll look, here's what they'll do. They'll beat up on the Knicks and the, you know, Pistons and all these teams that are trash. And it'll be the same. It'll be the same damn thing. I mean, I don't know if they'll get the four bounces on the rim again where everybody could talk about that. And Oh, man, run it back, man. Come on, man, run it back. Toby and Bobby and Loby and Joby and Moby and Bobby and Toby. We love this team, man. Run it. Play the damn song, man. Play the song. James Seltzer, play the song, man. Come on. Clap your fucking hands. This fan base has the IQ of an ant. I don't disagree, but let's see let's see the guy play, right? Friday night, he's making his debut. I am excited. Um I'm not playing the song. I'm not I'm not singing the song. I'm not clapping my hands. Uh it's not run with us. We're not there yet, but uh you know, we got we got rid of another cancer in this town and, and we got a, we got a decent return. We got a pretty good return. So let, let's see how it plays out. What would be a success? Like, would you say an appearance in the conference finals is is a success? Would you say they have to reach the finals? Do they have to win a title? What and and what's the time period? This year, next year, the year after? It's I don't know. Like, I'm not an NBA expert. I'm not here to 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 try to sell that to to anybody. But I mean, I think that it it did hurt to lose guys like Curry and Drummond in, in terms of depth. Like, I don't know who's going to be backing up Embiid when he's got to get off the floor. Um, I mean, granted, he has done a nice job in terms of keeping himself in shape, staying healthy, knock on wood. Um, but the guy's going to need a blow in, in the grind of the playoffs, and I'm not sure he's going to back him up. But I, th- I think, I think they got to go to the finals. They have to make an appearance in the NBA finals. Like, I'm looking at the East, bro, like. I think Brooklyn's behind the Sixers. I mean, who's at the top right now? Miami. You think about the Bucks; They won it last year. Like, I don't really view any of these teams as, like, world beaters. Um, I don't really think, like, any of them have, like, the big three, like, you had in, like, the early to mid-2010s and, you know, the firepower that, like, a Golden State had when they were winning all those championships. I think you got you got to at least make it to the finals now. I mean – with the way they're talking it up and the way everybody's celebrating, you got the cuz playing the song. As soon as the trade happens, like 
you have to go to the finals and you have to go this year. I mean, you've got Joel Embiid's a favorite to win MVP. And I think now the Sixers are like tied for fourth shortest odds to, to, to win the championship. Um, I think they're at plus 700, which is not too long of a shot at all. Like I, th- I think for this to be a success, they got to make it. And then he's got to come back next year, which I think he said he is. Now, is he a free agent after this year? Uh, I think they said in the presser there was somebody asked him about like some sort of option. I guess it's in his contract um, that he could come come back to the Sixers next year. And he said he would do that. Now, I'm not going to hold everybody to everything they say uh, in the whirlwind of a trade and hopping on a jet or a bus or whatever down to Philadelphia from Brooklyn. But, yeah, I think he'll be back next year. It says here he's got a $47 million player option. Um, he could decline it and allow the Sixers to open up max cap space. Um, I don't know. I don't think this team is ever going to win anything when your third guy is that Bozo Harris. I think he's a total stiff. In fact, I think like for all the flack that Simmons got at the end of last year, rightfully so, for passing up that dunk, I think the bigger fraud is uh, is, is Tobias Harris. At least Simmons knows not to shoot. Harris is a fucking train wreck any anytime the, the game's in question. Um, I agree with you, though. I think they got to make it to the finals. If they don't make it to the finals, I don't want to hear from any Sixers fans. I don't want to hear from anybody talking about how they won this trade or they won this or that. I think what's more likely to happen, though, is they make it to the Eastern Conference finals. They lose in, you know, five, six or seven. They quote unquote run it back and they never make it. They never make it to an NBA finals. They give James Harden a bag. And they're stuck uh, in purgatory. Uh, and then we'll be, ta- you know, what we'll be talking about then trading Joel for pieces and assets. Wow, the process will come full circle. Uh huh. That would be a shame. But these Sixers fans don't see it that way. They think that the process ends with Harden and 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 Bead. Um, I hate to break it to them, but it was an utter failure. I mean, the process never ends. I mean, there's. There's a lineage somebody could draw to the James Harden deal that that goes all the way back to like Tony Roten in 2013 or something. Tony Roten, <laughs> like you you know they're out there. And Covington, Rocco, Big Shot Bob. No. Oh well, we'll look forward to seeing Harden Friday night, um, and we'll go from there. You know you gotta. Like in the NFL and, and football season, we said it's week to week. Well, now, you know, we've we've lost some pieces. We've added a new piece. It's got it's got a gel. We got to see how it works. Uh, so we'll evaluate as we go forward here. But yeah, Sixers. I think they play before Friday, uh, but they play Minnesota Friday, and that's looking like it'll be James Harden's debut for Philly. Uh, anything else on the Sixers right now, Bob? No, I mean, what do you what what do you want me to do? Talk about the mascot and banging the freaking bell at the beginning? I mean, I can hammer them here for an hour, but no, that's all I got on the Sixers. We'll we'll wait till till something falls flat and you can really hammer them. Um, I don't know. Did you want to get into anything Eagles off season related? I mean, there's a lot to cover. Um, you know, we've kind of chatted outside of the pod in terms of. Talking to Eagles through the offseason. You got the draft coming up. Um, you know, we're going to work on some draft coverage, some some draft ideas and hopefuls 
we want we do want to evaluate the quarterback situation at some point. Take a look at the coach. Uh, Jonathan Gannon's coming back. I don't know how to feel about that. Definitely going to need to see some adjustments there. And then, I mean, we got to talk about the roster at some point as well. Um, I was reading a Zach Berman article on The Athletic, and he was kind of talking about kind of what the needs of the team are heading into the offseason and the draft. And obviously you think about pass rush, defensive end, um, the linebacker position. I believe the only guy that signed in the secondary that started is big play Slay. I want to say McLeod, Harris, and uh, Steven Nelson are all free agents. Um, but I guess you would you would think that Maddox, he got paid, so he'd slide in uh, at a corner spot if they if they did nothing uh, going forward. But yeah, we'll we'll get into that a little bit. But any anything to to get on right now in terms of the birds, Bob? Yeah, uh, I think you always got to look at the betting markets when it comes to stuff like this, you know, big name quarterbacks, et cetera. And uh, one of the things that caught my eye um, as of last week. Or, or the week before when the Super Bowl concluded, the Eagles' odds of Russell Wilson being the 2022 Week One starter were 40 to one, and as we sit here recording this podcast, they're down to five to one. Five to one. If he does not start for Seattle, which team will he start for? Eagles are down to five to one. So is that, is that the top option? Yeah, so down from plus 4,000 to plus 500. So we know the Eagles were linked to Russell Wilson before he got drafted by Seattle. We know that Andy Reid and Howie Roseman were enamored with him at the time of that draft. Can Howie uh, engineer this thing and really flip? I mean, if he got Russell Wilson for two firsts, I'd argue even three firsts. I mean, the guy is executive of the year. The one extra first is literally just from moving back for the Devontae Smith, uh, you know, picking him, uh, with, you know, with the Dolphins moving up. The other first is, is from is from Deuce. So you will have if you let's say you trade all three first to get Russell Wilson. You will have done that basically with your existing first of this year, a deal that he made last year with the Dolphins. And basically a first that that you received for telling Carson Wentz to kick rocks. I mean, that is, to use a a Sixers term from our boy Zoo, turning garbage into gold! Wow. Wow. That would be something. I I was thinking before we came on here, kind of, um, because I know know you wanted to to touch on Russ. I didn't realize what what those odds were. Where where are you getting those odds at, at the moment, can I ask? All over IG. One of the sources says bet online. Apparently, Colin Coward's all over it too. Um, you know, so I don't know that every book has the, you know, has, has these types of props, but apparently this one is bet online. And uh, yeah, a lot of smoke. I mean, Colin Coward's talking about it and uh, seems to think that the Eagles should be giving up as well. You know, just like Bomb seems to think that the Eagles should be giving up three first for Wilson. Cause look what, I mean, Roseman's not going to be able to pick a, you know, pick a, uh, a guy who's going to be able to make that big of an impact at, at those, at those slots. Uh, at the very least, you might be able to pick one or two guys that are going to be starters. So you might as well just get him out of here and get the, get the quarterback. Can't put a ton of faith in Howie to, to make those selections, but if you had a guy that, that you were confident that could make make some good picks there, and, and we've talked about 
the NFL draft. I mean, Ohio State, Bama, Georgia, Clemson, LSU. I mean, you just got to look there to, to make the selections. But for some reason, Howie can't seem to do it. So I, I don't disagree. And shout out to Colin Coward. Um, he was kind of aligning with us on our take on Jalen Ramsey the last few weeks. Uh, he was quoted after the Super Bowl, I believe, for the best corner in the game. Jalen Ramsey gets beat pretty regularly. So, you know, maybe Colin will have us on the herd at some point. We can talk Jalen Ramsey and other overrated bums. But, no, I was in terms of the Eagles, like, before we came on tonight, I was kind of thinking, like, the Eagles were kind of in purgatory. Then they drafted Wentz. His rookie year, they, they were whatever, not great. And, uh... And then he just had the one all season and wheeled and dealed. And the next thing you know, big Dick Nick and Doug are hoisting the Lombardi trophy. So like, I know that Lori and Howie, um, after the 2020 season were laying it on thick about the rebuild and three to five years and this and that, but I will not, ne- they will never slip a, a fast one by me. And, uh, looking at those Russell Wilson odds, I mean, bring them in. Bring him, bring him the hell in. Let's see what happens. And again, we talked last week about, you know, the landscape in the NFC and how McVay and the Rams were able to fucking win a Super Bowl. Like it, it, it's anyone's game now. Yeah, and I'm like the the Sixers ownership and Sixers fans, Lurie and Roseman know that Eagles fans don't stand for a decade long rebuild. So in spite of the fact that they say, oh, we need to do a three year or a five year, Eagles are always competitive. I mean, yeah, they have a couple years that are an aberration. Um, a lot of times it coincides with injury or the QB getting hurt. But, you know, everyone laughs at Howie, QB factory comment. And, yeah, it, it looked bad in retrospect considering of how considering how bad of a year Deuce uh, then 11 had. Um, but they put a premium on the quarterback position, and the Eagles played so poorly in that playoff game. That game really was – a laughing stock on national TV against the Bucks. Uh, so I would not be surprised if, if they want to make a splash and uh, use these these draft picks to go out and shore up the most important position in all sports. Buckle your seatbelts, folks. Um, another thing that might factor in, and maybe maybe specifically to the NFC, is just today here, Tuesday, you had the cryptic – uh, posts from Aaron Rodgers on on the Instagram and talking about thanking his teammates, past and present, and working in the QB room with all those guys and how much fun he had and it's all about having fun. Um, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if he's ready to retire. I don't know. I mean, you would think if you're posting like that, you're at least headed elsewhere, uh, if not retiring. I mean. Did you catch that bomb, and do you have any thoughts, honestly? Yeah, I, I caught it, and I read the entire the entire caption. I mean, obviously, put up the photos. I thought the, you know, Shailene Woodley, I thought they broke up, or there was rumors that they broke up. Or did they get married, or were they just engaged? I have no idea, but I, I don't think they broke up. I think that's his girl. Yeah, well, there was a rumor that they had broken up, and now we see this, you know, I don't know. I mean, he, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a farewell to all of them. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of Packers kind of like, 
you know, good times. Um, you know, he's big on like the gratitude thing. I don't know what to make of it. If I had to guess, I don't think he's there. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised the way, the way he is and, you know, the stuff you hear about is his family relationships and stuff like that. Like if that dude just went rogue and like went and lived in the middle of nowhere by himself or, or with his girl and just kind of got off the grid, left the game, left it all. And we never heard from him again. Like that wouldn't surprise me at all. No, I agree. I agree with you there. He's kind of yeah. like, a, he's an interesting dude for sure. Like off the field, he's like a, you know, really interesting dude. So I don't know. You, I, I could, maybe he retires and he's off the grid. I could see him playing another five years at this level. He's a really good quarterback, obviously. Yeah, I mean, he can st- clearly still play uh, despite kind of the shortcomings in, in the postseason. But uh, so- something else to monitor as we go forward and, and kind of keep our eyes on, on the NFL offseason moving forward. Well, let me ask you something. Let's say the Eagles are in the mix for all three of those guys, Wilson, Rodgers, and uh, Watson. Let, let's let's just go to the two guys. I don't, I don't really want to talk about Watson. I'm on the elliptical at the gym today, and I'm – Seeing on the bottom scroll that Deshaun Watson's ready to testify in nine of his civil lawsuits, but he, and he's got 22 against him. That that just doesn't sound like a guy that's that's ready to hop right back into the professional world. Fair enough. So let's say let's say it's these uh, these two, uh, Wilson and uh, and Rogers, and let's say the price is the Eagles, all, all three of the Eagles firsts. Who do you do it for? Like who who would you prefer? And uh, on what terms? Like, do you need Rodgers for a minimum of four? You know, presumably Wilson can play at least four to five more years. What's the uh, – what What are you thinking? I think I would give all three first to get Rodgers. And, and I think – I don't know how you would do it. I don't know what the cap situation looks like. But I think if you if you make that plunge – You've got to find a way to sign Devontae Adams as well. Um, yeah, package deal. Package deal. I mean, could you could you imagine Devontae Adams and Devontae Smith, and, and then you got Goddard? I mean, you're you're kind of set at receiver now. Um, I mean, Christ, you you could roll out uh I don't know anybody. You could throw me out there in the slot or, or as the third wide receiver uh, just to run around and, and take up one guy. Christ. Um, but you'd be set there, but I don't know. Rogers is just kind of weird. Obviously love his game. I think he could still play a few more years, but I just feel like Russell Wilson, like you saw him yucking it up with Roger Goodell at the Super Bowl, and he's a little bit younger. Um, I mean, clearly he's a likable guy. He was signing the, uh, the hat of the Eagles fan at the Pro Bowl, I think, like that was the only person he stopped for or whatever. So a lot of people were making noise about that occurrence. But three firsts in in a time where you got you got to build some some of the other pieces of your team, like it hurts. Um, I mean, I would definitely do two for for Wilson. I don't know about three. I mean, I, I mean, if you're doing two, you got to do three, right? I mean. Just go all in, get it done. And Wilson's thirty-three. You de- you definitely get four to five years out of him, if, if not more. It could be, you know, a good good part of uh, his career on the back end here. 
Is Devontae Adams a free agent? I'm, assu- I'm assuming he is. Yeah. Well, let me throw another scenario at you. I want to get your take on this. And I, I'm not sure about this guy's contract situation. I, I think he's under he's under contract. Um, but let's assume the Eagles cannot go out and get one of these top flight guys. Um, let's assume it's just too rich. The uh, it's it's too rich. The deal to do you know Wilson and Rogers right, and you don't know enough about. Rogers kind of passed this year if he continues to play. But would you do a deal with the Raiders and bring in a guy, a second-tier guy, admittedly, but a step up from a throwing perspective like Derek Carr? No. The reason I bring it up is because if we assume or if we look to the future and say Rogers retires – I bring this up because Derek Carr may be the linchpin that enables you to go get a Devontae Adams. Those two guys are best friends. They play together at Fresno State. They've openly talked about teaming up potentially in the future. If Devontae Adams wants to come to Philly under the condition that they have to go out and get a Derek Carr for two years, right? This this guy's contract's up in 2023. Would you be willing to do that? Would Do you think that's a step up, a step down? Does coupling Adams with that receiving court receiving change your opinion? What's your take? Well, I only heard Derek Carr, and I instantly said no. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't love his game, but, I mean, you got to think he's a little bit better of a passer than Hurts. Um, in terms of, like, being a leader – and being the guy, um, I don't know how he would fare in Philly, but if it meant that we can get Devontae Adams, and I think we we'd instantly turn into one of the best, you know, receiving receiving duos in, in the league. Um, so you know that's hard to argue against. Um, so I would say, yeah, if if you can get Devontae Adams, sure, bring bring in Derek Carr, bring in. Any middle of the road quarterback that makes Devontae Adams happy. Um, but like I wouldn't bring in Derek Carr or some middle of the road Joe just just to have a slight upgrade. Like we talked about it all year. The guys liked playing for Hertz and yeah, he sucked ass in the playoff game and he had his moments and everything, but um if I'm getting the package deal, sure, bring in Derek Carr. Yeah, and you might also be able, rather than going out and getting a Wilson, you also might be able to save the picks. Hold on to some of those picks. Maybe a first and a second gets it done for Carr, right? I'm assuming, I'm assuming Carr gets a, a bit of a better deal than than Wentz got last year. Even if it's, I don't know that I would do two firsts for a Derek Carr. You know, he's a two year rental at that point, uh, free agent in two years. So, um, but yeah, if you could do it for a first and a second, and hold on to those other two. And it, and he and, it, and he comes with Devontae Adams. I mean, whew. yeah, you've been calling for kind of the veteran receiver, and obviously Devontae Adams is uh, is a little bit better than than a veteran receiver. Um, but then to be able to keep like another pick or two and and get a pass rusher and add somebody a linebacker in the secondary, yeah, that that would be nice. But where the, I mean, where'd you pull that one out of, like? that's not being like spoken of anywhere, right? About that actually happening for the Eagles. It's just more that you saw Carr and Adams might want to play together at some point. 
Yeah, as we talked about Rodgers and potentially pairing him with Adams, there's he's the other quarterback that I think Adams would want to pair with just because they're such good friends from college. And, you know, I got some I got some sources on the ground. I got a guy, you know, by the name of Big Meech, huge Raiders fan. Obviously, I've ripped Derek Carr in the past. Big Meech has sold me on Derek Carr. You know, the idea that he lost his receiver, the head coach gets fired. He still had the leadership qualities to take the team to the playoff. Now, I don't like the play calling at the end of the end of the game against the Bengals. But the fact of the matter is, and, and look, the guy hasn't won a ton in his career. But then again, it, it is the Raiders. They, they were terrible before he got there. And Big Meech, you know, he said, look, we were trotting out Tuyasa Sopo. Remember that name? Tuyasa Sopo. They were Who the hell is that? Uh, Marcus Tuyasa Sopo. The Tuyosa Sopo bros. They, they were trotting out like absolute bums. So I don't know if Big Meech is just enamored with Derek Carr because he's been watching Tuyasa Sopo for years and Jamarcus Russell for years and all these other guys that stunk. But I, I, if you get Devontae Adams, I'm taking, a, I'm taking a shot. And I think it's a clear up, upgrade over, over Hertz. I don't think it gets you into that upper echelon of like a – do I think Carr is comparable to like a Matthew Stafford? I, th- I actually do. I, th- I think he might be a little bit better than Matthew Stafford. So if you look at that and say, hey, you can win with a Matthew Stafford, I think you can win with a Devontae Adams, a Devontae Smith, a Dallas Goddard. You get Rager the hell out of here, and you put Carb under center with that O-line, that run game. I mean, I don't know, man. That's that's a scary offense. Wow. To be continued. We'll see what happens, man. Fun hypotheticals. That's what the offseason's all about, right? Yeah, and really, it's all about, like, figuring out who you'd be willing to watch for, like, you know, 17 weeks out of the year. Um, if our offense is going to be the same as it was last year with this ground, ground, ground and pound, grounded out offense, I can't do it. I think they, they – we, we, got, we got one of the best young receivers. Let's pair him with a veteran. Let's get a guy in there who can throw the damn ball. And uh, if Hurts can make that – you know, jump and throw the ball. Great. But I'm not willing to sit here and burn Devonte Smith's rookie deal on figuring out whether or not the guy who backed up the guy who Smith played with is the guy. Heard, heard that. Um, before we wrap it up, I know we, we've texted about it and, and you don't understand the significance of the discussion. I got to bring it up because I I, I want to hear you talk about this. Um, and I, I have some thoughts as well, but everybody's talking about it. I think it was Sunday, Saturday or Sunday. College basketball, we're getting ready for March Madness. But the story this weekend uh, was the scuffle between Jawan Howard and I believe the Wisconsin head coach is Gary Gard. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bob. Um, Wisconsin beat Michigan at home 77 to 63 on Sunday afternoon. And, and as the handshake line, you know, made, made its way through and the, and the two coaches met, uh, there was a big scuffle and Juwan Howard was talking trash. Gary guard was trying to, you know, plead his case and it ended in a big scuffle. Juwan Howard throwing, throwing a punch at a Wisconsin assistant and he ultimately got suspended. But I believe the root cause of Howard's anger was that 
guard and Wisconsin took a timeout with like under a minute left in the game. The game was already decided. I believe Wisconsin was up 15. But Michigan's putting on the full court press with like 20 seconds left in the game. Uh, and there's a 15-point edge. So Wisconsin was unable to inbound the ball or they were unable to to get it across half court in, in time, uh, you know, before the, the violation. So Wisconsin called a timeout, gathers the troops. And that set off Howard, led to this whole scuffle, and has really been the noise around college basketball, the most noise I've heard about it freaking all year. Um, but everybody's talking about it, making a big deal about it. And, Bob, you don't understand why, but, I mean, wh- what do you think about the situation? Why do you feel that way? I cannot believe how much people are talking about this. Like, both ways. Like, there's people who are saying Juwan Howard should not be disciplined. There's people that are saying this other guy, guard, started it. Which, like, by the way, I watched the video. He basically did. I mean, he grabbed the guy and started putting his finger, you know, everyone's putting their finger in each other's face. Now, you know, obviously the players got involved and, you know, I don't know, man. I mean, I think you see another and other coaches and other teams coaches putting their hands on your player. I'd be I'd be pretty angry, too. I didn't think it was like a punch. It was like a open hand slap. Sorry, I'm looking at my phone, correcting myself. It's Greg Gard. Greg Gard is the uh, the Wisconsin head coach. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a scuffle. It w- it was whatever. Uh, I don't understand why Jawan Howard was was so upset and acted like guard like set him off. Like you could see in the handshake line, and there's videos out there with the audio of Howard pulling it pulling down his mask. I mean, thank God he was wearing his mask. Uh, when he was going to punch a guy in the face, but he pulls his mask down and goes, I'll remember that shit. It's like, I mean, think about it. Like if you were, if you were coaching a team of kids and you put all your scrubs in who never get to see the floor at the end of the game and the game's been decided and this asshole Howard and and Michigan are giving you a full court press and your guys can't handle it. You're just going to, you know, take, take the violation and give the ball back. I mean, if they're going to play to the end, then you got to play to the end. Yeah, I'm not arguing that. I mean, like, I don't, I'm not and, arguing that. And you're saying, and you're saying, Greg Gard like started. I mean, they they shook hands, and Howard points at him and yells in his face first. And Howard, how tall is Jawan Howard? I mean, obviously he was a, a a player in the league for years. I mean, let's say he's six six or six eight, whatever he is. I don't know what he is, but he's towering over this guy, make, making Gard look like a midget. And you're saying Gard set him off because he grabbed his arm. He was just trying to plead his case. And Jawan Howard's why, all. Why, why are you pleading your case? Take the fucking win and get off the court. He's all. He's all offended. Howard's all offended that that a little midget grabbed his arm. Well, guard was offended too. Why are you yelling at me, Jawan? I called a timeout to reset the the backcourt clock. Like this is bull. Why are you calling a time? I think that's bullshit to call a timeout. If you're backup scholarship bum, can't break a press up 15 points. Uh, in 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 at the end of a game, I don't think you should be bailed out by a timeout. I agree with Juwan Howard. I think that's bullshit. Now, do I think that the guy has the right to call a timeout? I do. I just I just think it's in poor taste. You could argue the press is in poor taste, but I, this is nothing. They were talking about this like scuffle. It was nothing. It was a couple shoves, an open handed slap. I don't even think the guy should be suspended. Maybe fine him. 
I don't even think there should be. He's, is, is it true he's not coaching the rest of the year? Is that true? I, I think so. Does that include the postseason? Is Michigan like, are they going to the NIT or the NCAA? They're on the bubble. I think I think I heard it was a six game suspension. Well, and for I the regular I, season or for the postseason? For the regular season. I think they've got four games left. So if it's a six game suspension, you miss the next four and then the first two in the Big Ten tourney. So would he be back if they let's say they assume the they win the Big Ten? Is he in the is he gonna be coaching? I think he's March back. Match? Yeah, I'm gonna look right now and confirm. I just can't get over the controversy, though. Like, th- who cares? This is nothing. Remainder of the regular season and fined 40K. Greg Gard was fined 10K. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Um, And, yeah, the guy, like, threw an open-handed slap or punch, whatever you want to call it. But I just don't understand why he was so pissed off that they called the timeout. Like, there's been so much worse done in, in that regard of sportsmanship or whatever. I mean, look at fucking James Franklin. I think it was McSorley's last year. It was a September night game. I mean, every time some cupcake has to come to Happy Valley, they get to play at noon, right? They get in, they get out. It's a one-day one bus trip. Georgia State has to come up and play 7.30 under the lights against Penn State, who's beaten them like 58 to zip. And James Franklin has the walk-ons, you know, all the bums in there. And he's taking a timeout with like under a minute left in the fourth quarter. And after the game, he's saying it was like a teaching moment. To ice the kicker. To ice the kicker. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. To ice the kicker. preserve the shutout and ice the kicker. Preserve a shutout. 58 nothing against FCS Georgia State. That's, and a, that's an elite coach right there, man. Georgia State's coach wasn't coming out with boxing gloves. I mean, now that that's say, that's that is a that is an attackable offense. Like I agree, but what happened on Sunday is not like. No, I agree. I, I, I think Howard. I, I think Howard was just pissed that that they got the brakes beat off of them, and that, that Wisconsin had their scrubs on the floor, and that, that guard used it as like, hey, I'm not going to let my guys get embarrassed, take the violation teaching moment, whatever. Um, and like, I guess Howard came out and apologized Monday or Tuesday, but immediately after the game, like he was doubling down on this shit. Like any man, uh, of integrity leader of a program like that at Michigan would say, Hey, I got a little hot. I was upset. We lost the game. I was, and you know, whatever coach guard did upset me and it happened. I apologize. I uh, shouldn't have acted that way and, and move on. Well, the good news is that uh, uh, Michigan's interim head coach is a guy that's afraid to use timeouts at the end of games. So, uh, you know, we all remember the magical run of of the St. Joseph's University Hawks to the Elite Eight. And with a timeout in his back pocket and the National Player of the Year taking the ball up the court, what did Phil Martelli do? He, he, he let the guy just create and, and brick a shot. So, you know, Michigan made the right move here. They selected a coach who's fearful of using timeouts at the end of games. I think it's a great move. Uh, I don't think there's anybody better to lead that program than Phil Martelli. The Hawk will never die. Yeah. Anything else to get to tonight, Bob? I wanted to touch. I wanted to touch on. So you mentioned a little bit about uh, Joaquin Neiman earlier, uh, the golf, and he won the Genesis, and 
you know, he had a big lead going into it. And, you know, Morikawa needed a putt at the end. Now, so Bomb was down in the Outer Banks, but he had an eye on the television, folks. He's down there watching. Um, I got an issue with, uh, with, with uh, one of the participants of the, uh, the tournament. Are you going to go um, with Victor Hovland? No, no, no. I, li- I like Ho- I like Hovland. Um, and really, not, not. I don't know. Maybe it's not him, but also it's what he represents, the sponsor. So I, this is a violation. In fact, you know what? Book it, G. This is my second bone to pick of the week. Wow, double bones to pick this week, folks. We're in the off season. We're we're scraping. We're grinding. I mean, I'm getting pucks in deep here on this pod, and I got a I got a second bone to pick. So I got to watch this. I, I watched Neiman play, and then I watched this absolute choke artist who was in second place. I'm not talking about Morikawa. I'm talking about Cam Young, who's just dumping balls into bunkers the minute he gets a a freaking hole out for birdie. Um, the guy, the guy wilted like uh, bad lettuce in the moment. But the bigger problem I have, other than his stupid beard and his little goofy look that he had, and the way he just chokes at the end, did you notice who one of his sponsors was on his sleeve? The MLB. I saw it, man. I was wondering what that was about too. How the fuck is Major League Baseball sponsoring a golfer? When we're fucking locked out. I don't know. And isn't that kind of like a bad look for Young? Cameron Young is his name, right? Cam Young. Like, obviously the lockout is a dispute between the league and the players association. And this guy's repping the league on his sleeve. Like, I can't imagine he's got any friends playing in the big leagues. Do you want to know how, how, how... Do you want to know my honest, when I first saw it, when I saw C. Young and the Major League Baseball logo, I thought, I didn't see the guy's face. I saw the logo. I saw the name on the scoreboard. I thought it was Chris Young, the former pitcher. And I said, wow, what, did he get a fucking tour card? This guy must be able to, no, it's just some fucking shit, 24-year-old golfer who's a shill for the league during a lockout. You're right. I mean, the guy's a scab. What are you doing, dude? And by the way, it's in bad taste for Major League Baseball to be advertising in a sport that competes against yours. No, I, I hear you. I thought I thought it was so bizarre, and it wasn't like a little patch. It was you, you couldn't miss it. It it, t- it took up the entire sleeve. It's a bigger patch on him than the umpires have. Yeah, it was. It was. No, that's that's crazy. He did chip that birdie in, and and I thought we were gonna get a little bit of entertainment at the end. And then. Like you said, he folded, folded like a beach chair and should have unfolded it because he was in the fucking bunker, could have taken a seat, grabbed a cold one and, uh, you know, enjoyed a beach day from there on in. Yeah, and didn't his face kind of bother you too? Like the minute the ball went in the bunker, like the guy just folded. Like he like, you know, he he looked like he just shit down his leg. Yeah, I think there's a reason I, I, I didn't recognize him or know who he was from, you know, past viewing of golf tournaments. Yeah, so that's my second bone to pick of the week. And in fact, maybe, I mean, maybe we could we could get the Major League Baseball Players Association on the horn, pass along this intel to them, because you're right. This guy's like basically a scab and a show for the league. Unbelievable. Nothing else to add tonight, Bob. 
That's all I got. All right. We'll shut it down. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, um, thank you to Shamrock Sun and Menard Premium Detailing, our sponsors. Wherever you're listening, Apple, Spotify, please give us a five-star rating. Um, we appreciate it. And we will be back next week. We've got Harden on Friday. We've got the Honda Classic this weekend. Uh, and we'll continue to dive into some off-season topics uh, for our beloved Philadelphia Eagles. But until next week, everybody, take care. Peace. Let me make sure it's going. All right, so we're back. We got a bonus, bone to pick of the week. It's from me, myself. It has nothing to do with sports. Uh, it is the off season of football. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to dive in to things that happen in life and, and call people out for just being like creatures out there. But I'm out to breakfast on President's Day. You know, took the girlfriend out to a nice breakfast. We're both off from work. Let's sleep in, go get a nice bite, you know, enjoy the day off. And I'm sitting in this diner where we're in a booth and, uh, this old man comes in with his family and he's, he's on a walker, obviously very, very old, uh, you know, debilitating health, probably, you know, don't wish that on anybody or anything, not making light of the situation. And the, the, the bone to pick is not with the man whatsoever. Uh, but we're so this 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 group this family sits down in the booth behind us, and I can hear their conversations as I'm eating my you know two eggs over and bacon or rye toast and just enjoying the day off and the meal. And uh, were the egg were the eggs runny, G? Eggs were runny, man. Dipping the rye toast in there, little bacon, hash browns. It's good stuff. But um, yeah, so I hear the conversations behind me. And, you know, these people are trying to figure out what to order to drink. And I hear, I hear the one lady go, oh, well, don't order dad. Talking about the old man. Don't, don't order dad a coffee. That, that stuff makes you go to the bathroom. And j just from the tone, you know, I could tell that they weren't insinuating a number one. Uh, you know, I, I think most coffee drinkers know that's the, uh, the stall that's, straw that stirs the drink, you know, to get things, get things moving to start the day. Anyway, so I hear that, and then and then I'm I'm eat, I'm eating and, and chatting and enjoying and everything, thinking nothing of it, and, th and then I hear them go, "Oh well, Dad's not feeling too good. I think he's got diarrhea." And this is what I'm hearing while I'm eating my fucking breakfast, and I, I'm looking at my girlfriend, and we're just like giving each other the eyes because you can't say anything because the people are so goddamn close, you know that that they could hear you if you had any gripes, and then oh. You're not sensitive to the old man, blah, blah. So then I hear that. And ultimately, these people are like, uh, ask the waitress, oh, can we actually have our order to go, please? He's not feeling very well. All right, understandable. You know, get get out of the place, all good. Waitress takes it like a champ, right? I mean, I've worked in hospitality. I don't know if you have bomb, but, you know, you see all types of people. You deal with all types of assholes. Um this is one of those situations. So she puts the order in to go, but so, somebody in the group wanted their soup. Can I have my soup for here? So she brings out the cup of soup and one of the other ladies in the booth sees the soup. Oh, what kind of soup is that? 
Oh, it's it's blah blah chowder, whatever the fuck it is. Meanwhile, dad's brewing a soup in his pants. Yeah, yeah, seriously. And uh, the lady inquiring about the soup, can can I have a bowl of that too? So we've got Gramps shitting down his leg, uh, and I have to hear about it while I'm eating breakfast. And then the poor waitress, they got she's got to put the order in, then she's got to change it to go, she's got to bring the soup out for here, then she's got to go get another bowl of soup for here. And, you know, I'm not the only other booth in the vicinity, so everybody's hearing about how Grandpa isn't feeling well and has got a shit. And meanwhile, my girlfriend and I are just looking at, looking at each other like, oh, man, this is just so lovely to listen to while I'm trying to eat fucking breakfast. So that's my bone to pick of the week. You know, I was taught at a young age, no toilet talk at the dinner table. You know, I shared the story with some family at dinner later. I saved it for after dinner. You don't talk about that shit out loud when people are putting food in their fucking mouths. So that's my bone to pick of the week. Um, don't be an asshole when you go out to eat. 